Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello Australia, welcome to My Millennial Money, I'm Glenn James and today on this My Millennial Story and if you are new to the podcast, thanks for joining us, My Millennial Story, it's where we catch up with interesting people, we catch up with listeners, you guys out there that we do this podcast for and we just talk about you and your life and your story, money, relationships, pets, poodles and the pounds, which is money if we're in the UK. But today I've got Alicia Aitken Radburn, who you may have seen on The Batchy, you may have seen on Instagram. She's a girl about town and she's joining us on the podcast today. Alicia, thanks for joining us. Uh, Thank you for having me, Glenn. I'm so excited to be here. Did you like that one take intro or what? Yeah, I thought I particularly (laughs) liked the poodles, I have to say. I'm like, when are we going to, I don't know what section of the interview we're going to be getting into poodles. Personally, I've got a Jack Russell cross chihuahua. No, I love it. Hey, I'll take it. All right, well, let's get into this episode and let's have a chat today. Okay, Alicia, people will have known you from TV, from podcasting, from the corporate world, the political world, perhaps, you know, all the things. Can you just maybe give us the 411 or whatever cool lingo the kids are using, you know, these days? Who are you? And then what we're going to do is do something a little bit random before we talk about your money story. So, who are you? Who am I? It's a very existential question, Glenn. I've got, as you mentioned, a little bit going on. Uh, I'd say a lot of people would recognize me from the Bachelor franchise. I did the main franchise show with Honey Badger. um, And then I did two seasons of Bachelor Sorry, just stop there. Stop there. (laughs) Was he the guy that was like, I don't want any of you? Yes, yeah. Oh, and I was no, the okay. villain on that show. Oh, and then right. and then I got a bit of like a I got like the you don't watch reality TV. So I was no, gonna I say like I got the SAS Australia treatment, which is where they basically take like problematic people and give them like a reform story. Um so basically wow. I got a redemption arc in my next two seasons. Um the first I was brutally rejected by a guy. And then the second I met my now fiancé. So it was quite successful. And then in my previous life to reality TV, that was running parallel for the most part because I think a lot of people have this perception that, you know, as soon as you go on reality TV, you can't get hired by anyone in Australia, um, which is 60% 60% accurate. <laughs> if you've yeah. got a good network, you can sort of shout out into the abyss being like, help me. 
Um, so I was I, I was very involved in the Labor Party. I'm still a Labor member. Um, and I worked for Bill Shorten when he was the leader of the opposition during I did the 2016 federal election with him. And I was what was called a media advancer. So when you see at the moment Scott Morrison and Anthony Albanese going into hospitals or they might be standing in their high-vis in some work site, my role was to go to that workplace the day before, meet the people who are running the show, introduce myself, talk to them a little bit, see where the parliamentarians will be walking around, who they're going to meet, make sure no one's going to say... I hate you and your party, preferably. Um, and then I'd run the event on the day. So that was a really awesome job. And I'm still vaguely adjacently working in politics. I'm now a lobbyist. Uh, so I help businesses, organizations talk to government. And I get to work with some really awesome, not for, um, my little niche is not for profits. So awesome. That's what, I, that's what I'm up to. Okay. I'm actually, like, we actually talked, and this is why I jumped in with the Honey Badger thing, because before we press record, we were chatting for like 15 minutes, which I usually don't do with guests because it's just like, oh, we'll save it for the podcast. But like- Oh, I love that. I'm I just special. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. I'm like, I'm oh, just like chatting and I'm interested and talking about politics because I'm really, I was saying to Alicia, I don't watch any reality TV. Like, I make jokes about maths and all that stuff. And then, but I do remember the- Honey Badger guy, because he was the football player that yes. was on The Bachelor and he turned out. And that's why I'm like, whoa, is that that guy? So, anyway, yeah, all I'm and saying like is- Everything he said would be like, oh, a flaming galah sitting on an esky. Like, he's very Aussie larrikin. Yeah. That, that, that vibe. <laughs> so, we kind of were talking about politics before and I thought, hey, we've got a federal election in Australia coming up it might be actually a good idea if we just take a hot minute and just help people to understand, if you don't know, how the Australian parliament broadly works, how elections work. And we, you know, it's just very opportune that Alicia's here and she's in this world. But I do want to say, for those that heard me on previous podcasts say that I was going to do like an election episode and get someone on and go through the politics of each party and all that stuff and the promises and what their plans for the future is. I'm sorry, guys, I'm not doing it anymore. Can't be bothered. If you're interested in politics and making your vote count, go to the website of the major parties, some independents in your area if they've got one, which weirdly, I found it really hard to find my independent. <laughs> Do you uh, have an moment. independent candidate? Well, what's your we electorate? Last time, Let's start there. Dobell. 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 Okay, great. Yeah. Who's your federal member of parliament? Do you know Emma McBride? No, that's Yeah, me. Emma that's McBride. Your... Okay. No, no, that's her. Yeah, and then um because we're close to Robertson, um Lucy Wicks is uh in yes. Robertson. And Anne Charlton was against yes. her in one of the elections. <laughs> I'm yes. a New South Wales girl, so I, I've, I've done some campaigning up on the Central Coast before. Yeah, so this is about as political as our podcast will get before the election because as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to personal finance, most of the crap that we control is in the mirror and I believe everybody needs to have an informed vote and put input into our democratic system 
And I would encourage you, and at least you can maybe talk to this, like, check out the websites and the policies. And someone said to me once, you know, the most powerful vote that you can have is a vote that's selfish. So, it's not about what tax relief I can get. It's not about what bonus that I can get. How can we help our society? Because we can only be strong as our weakest link. So, I guess that's mm-hmm. as political as I will get. So, yes. yes. That means something t- different to everybody. Yeah, that's right. So, so broadly speaking, you know, we just talked about the electorates. You know, I'm in Dobell and each electorate has maybe 110,000 people-ish. So, in federal parliament, how does that actually work? Because you know, as, as fun as Kevin 07 was and it was like he was the president and all that stuff, for most people it meant practically nothing, quote unquote, the Kevin Rudd person because we're not a presidential. Yeah. We're not a, like a, we're a bloody, well, we were the British system. Oh, see, even like, Glenn, I've worked in politics for many years and I couldn't tell you like we were a constitutional monarchy or some, that's that's like pretty meaningless until you're sitting down on Wikipedia and you can read some really, really dry content about what that means. But if you, you're right in the sense that we, we don't have this presidential structure and where it gets difficult is that I would say that a lot of the media representation that we consume about politics is so focused on the leaders who are basically marketing the messages of their parties. So, you know, in Australia, we've got two major parties, Liberal and Labor. We could have, I know you don't want to do it political episodes, but there are, there's so much, there's so many other conversations that you could have about, you know, whether the two party system is the best way for a democracy. I know that a lot of people at the moment are quite disillusioned by the major parties. We've seen these rise of what they're calling teal candidates, which are independents who are focused on predominantly, like I would say a a theme that ties all these independents together is they tend to, the teal independents, be focused on climate change. So you're seeing these contests where if we take it back an election, Tony Abbott in Warringah, Liberal, was contesting against Zali Stegall, who was an independent focused on climate change. And so you see this shift where traditionally really conservative electorates are moving towards these more these teal independents who are still presenting themselves as fairly economically conservative, you know, they're not saying that they're going to, that they're not presenting as like the Greens of we'll fund everything and anything, um, but they have this really big focus on climate change and our future and the environment. So you could have so many conversations about mm. the major parties, but I going back to what I was saying about the fact that you've got our media focuses on Scott Morrison versus Anthony Albanese. I think that that detracts from the fact that really what our what our political system is trying to achieve is that you live in a suburb, your suburb sits in an electorate. So, for instance, here in Perth, I live in Como and my electorate is Swan. Swan. And mm. Yeah, and it's a marginal seat, so it's going to be a contest between it's. We've currently got a Liberal member who's retiring, and there'll be a contest between a new Lib and a Labor member. But what we're really doing is we're we're electing a member of Parliament who is meant to represent our community, and they're meant to be active in their local community, focused on 
helping make positive change in the lives of their constituents. And I think that that's what we miss at election time because when we turn on the 6pm news, it's all about, you know, what gaffe Anthony Albanese made rather than what is Emma McBride doing for you in Dobell? Has she been doing a good job at representing your community um, or do you need to consider putting your vote, vote elsewhere? That's right. So, to break it down further, my seat of Dobell, Alicia's seat of Swan, uh, they form basically those candidates form what they call the lower house in Parliament House. And there's 150 electorates in Australia. And for a government to govern in their own right, they need the majority, which we know is half of 150, 75. So, we need 76 seats. So, that's why you might see uh, ScoMo and Albo go into those seats that need to really hang in there or win or take over to form a government. And then- you know, and we'll move on because I want to get into some fun stuff. But I just wanted to. I was to do also going to say, I just, I just w- Wikipedia'd and apparently, well, there's yeah. actually 151 seats in the lower house. Oh, is there really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, there you go. And, and I'm wondering, this is just this goes to show, and I feel like a dumb idiot because I'm like, oh, I've worked in politics. Isn't this something fundamental that you should understand and know? But I'm like even thinking to myself, is the speaker counted as a number in that 151? I think they are. Oh, I think it is. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's, I, I just think that like a lot of the time when we have political conversations, everyone, there's this expectation that you come to the table with this like full understanding of everything that's going on. And I think people just need to chill out a little bit and take it, take it back to those fundamental things. Yeah. And that's right. And that's, and that's why like fundamentally we are electing somebody in our local area to represent us or you in your local area to the federal government. Now, yes, that's what you theoretically should be more passionate about if you love and live in the area. But then it can go on to, well, I love this area and I like the policies of this party, so I probably will choose this member. So, that's all I would say is when you are voting in your local electorate, uh, you can't go in and- So, I can't go into my little scout hall around the corner and go one- Albo or one ScoMo mm-hmm. or one, um, who's the green guy? Adam Band. Adam Band, yeah. So I, I can't do that, but I can vote members of their parties in my area. Yeah, and everyone's going to have a different way that they approach it as well. Like, you, of course, you can think about what your member, what your member of current member of parliament, or who is contesting the election against them. Obviously, you can think about it on the lo- the local level, but you can also take it further, and you can look at the narrative that's playing out in the six pm news and think about the policies of the Labor Party, the Liberal Party, the Greens, you know, other party, <laughs> other fringe parties, if that's what you're yeah. into. Um, 
And you can look at that bigger picture and think, how is my vote going to be most powerful, particularly if you're living in a marginal seat? Sometimes it does suck. I used to live in Lane Cove, which is like, it's it's New South Wales, it's North Shore, it's as blue ribbon as you can get, basically. Mm. Um, and yep. every time I went, like, I remember when I turned 18 and I went to the polling booth and I was like, well, this Lib has literally been my Member of Parliament for the last 15 years, like this, years, yeah. <laughs> this electorate hasn't hasn't changed hands in just so long. And so that is, I like, I understand that. I did go into those situations and think, well, this isn't making a difference. But if you are living in a marginal seat, definitely, particularly one of those teal seats. Well, it's funny, where I live, um, it's pretty marginal. And a lot of you who are out there in podcast land, you know, You've got members of your community, like so. For example, where I live on the central coast, it it is pretty um, marginal because we've got on the strip here on the beach, quote unquote, where I live. You know, lots of wealth, but mm-hmm. ten minutes west, you've got working class, and yes, so it so it it can tip either way. Uh, but the cool thing is, everyone like. You can go onto the AEC, the Electoral Commission website, and you can go, de- like I did it um, just last week, Alicia. I go to a little scout hall on Nirvana Street in Long Jetty, right? And it's yeah. really like, it's just the smallest little thing. I can go on the Electoral Commission website and see the breakdown of voters to each party last election. So I know within a kilometre of my house, you know, 42 people voted for some dickhead with a yellow banner. <laughs> right? You know so, what I mean? guys, like, now you know how Glenn is spending uh, his free time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Um, so, so, that's basically how it works. And we'll move on to say, um, you know, laws get uh, tabled in the lower house by the government. Uh, mm-hmm. It's debated, which is primarily theatre. If it gets voted on and passed, it moves upstairs to the Senate and then there's another debate. So, basically, the Senate is the actual power seat or the powerhouse in the Australian government. Uh, but we might move on to something a little bit more fun. Uh, I mean, so. I love I love politics. Uh, and even I don't find this particularly sexy. But what I would say as some final comments is... Um, do think about your vote. We're lucky to have it. We're lucky that to live in a safe democracy where we can contest ideas fiercely. Um, and the whole experience is really fun as well, going down to your local scout hall, Glen James, and I hope they've got a sausage sizzle down at the scout hall. Um, I, I don't think they do. There's not enough people. <laughs> you, sh- you should set one up for those 42-year-old, uh, 42 people voting for that <laughs> yellow banner guy. Um, yeah. uh, the, one, the one last thing I would say is that those laws that you talk about passing through the lower house and then the upper house, they make a difference in people's lives. You might not feel it in your own life because maybe it just doesn't impact you. But when the paid when paid parental leave is changed, when single parent payments are cut, th- that really impacts people. And so think about how you're voting because the legislation that's passed will really make a difference in someone's life. I, I will just finish. Um, Everyone, you may have heard of the coalition and that basically means the Liberal Party, they do not have enough 
seats to form government. So at the moment, they've got like 60 seats. However, the National Party have 15 seats. And what they've done is they've joined together and have said, hey, we will form a government. And so at the moment, for example, the Labor Party, they're not in a coalition. Uh, If they need to, they may have an arrangement like in the 2010s with some independence to form a government. Uh, But broadly speaking, the coalition is the Liberal and National Party. And I just want to do a shout out. I actually started an audiobook last night and I could not press stop on it. And what audiobook? If you, if you okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna tease it out. It was like I listened to it driving home from Newcastle last night, got home, playing it while I was brushing my teeth, listening to it in bed. It was like twelve forty three AM and I just could not turn it off. If you wanna know about leadership, if you want to know the inner workings of possibly people might say the cesspool, this is an audiobook that you've got to listen to. And it's a book by Australia's first ever female prime minister. And it's called My Story by Julia Gillard. Okay. Wow, I didn't actually think that that's where you were going with it. I thought it would have been like some journo talking about all the. No, it's honestly fascinating. Amazing. I would recommend anyone listen to that if they want to learn a bit about leadership and the Australian political system. But, um, well, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll finally talk about some fun stuff, right? Ask me about money, Glenn James. All right. Aren't you supposed to say and vote Labor or something like that? No, I work for a bipartisan firm. Oh, of course. <laughs> Go do uh, Vote Compass and find out where your values align. And oh, I did that. I did Vote Compass. Yeah, what and I begrudgingly, you? I begrudgingly did it because I know it's a data collection exercise for the oh, ABC for their voting coverage TV night. So Anthony Green can go, yeah, I reckon in Dobell so-and-so is going to win. Yeah, because you've got all the data. Um, anyway, that's the skeptic. And he's an expert. <laughs> yeah, that too. He's <laughs> doing what you're doing, Glenn James. He's going down and looking at the data at yeah, exactly. Dobell Stout Hall. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I will just say it was weird. I didn't land anywhere near any of the major parties. Interesting. What side of the quadrant were you down the bottom? It, <laughs> Socially conservative, <laughs> economic conservative. <laughs> it was on the right side. Uh-huh. Um, it, it wasn't up in the top left near green. Guys, breaking news. It's like Glenn's the new candidate for the United Australian Party. <laughs> you'll, you'll see <laughs> him no. on a billboard near you. <laughs> no way. It wasn't. Um, it was actually, and this was- you know, and we are going to a break, but this is what I've been saying for like years. I feel I'm a political refugee because it basically sat between um, red and blue. Oh, I would say that that's quite a common place for people. Because I always think I'm pretty moderate, pretty pragmatic. Yes, um, I. you strike me as quite the centrist. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's kind of why I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm pretty much exactly between both of them. Do I just send a message and find? And that's why I was looking at my independent. 
I was yeah, like, I was right. I'm, I wasn't where you are. I was on the tax the rich. <laughs> so oh. kind of <laughs> but that's okay. So that's weird. If you want to go there, girlfriend. Yeah, let's do um, it. <laughs> this is the whole fallacy, right? The rich, they think if they're taxed more, they're going to not be able to have as much. But all the rich get taxed. So the whole playing field just moves the same. I also just think that this, it it fits in with something that I see in personal finance groups a lot where people are like, oh, I just inherited $1 million and, you know, I'm worried about the tax implications. And sure, fair, that's like a fine question to ask. But a lot of the time it's coming from this place of like, oh, I don't want to lose my pension or something like that. And it's like, you uh, have a million dollars. The reason why we have a taxation system is to distribute wealth and to pay for social services. You're doing, if you're paying tax, you're doing well. That's right. And the whole thing is like, I've been vocal. I've got investment properties, right? And I know the socialists yep. in, or I'll say the hardcore socialists in the My Millennial Money group have a problem with that, which is fine. Oh, yes. I, I saw the blow up about, uh, do we even do an investment property episode? <laughs> oh, I mean, but I honestly, I'm in favor if they go, yeah, your third investment property, you got to have 50% equity or you got to pay an extra 2% interest. I'm in favor of that. I don't care. My life's still going to be good. Do it. Like, I, this, we're living in a system that allows us to generate this wealth. And that's the, the dance that I have where I'm not a socialist where I think the government needs to provide everything, but I'm not pew pew America, give me my guns and give me my millions. Like, Yes, I'm I find I'm your, not either. I find your philosophy incredibly interesting, particularly around uh, like how you feel about charity. Um, and I think that that's very interesting when you put it into like the taxation conversation and how we distribute wealth in society. So yeah, yeah, fascinating. Yeah, I just I actually like talking about these concepts because I'm not a professional anything, right? And we can all just learn from each other. And yeah, it's And I I think that like, I love these conversations where I think we need to get to this place in society where two people who probably like, I would call myself quite a hardcore socialist. Um, And I think it's important to be able to have conversations with people and unpack ideas Mm. and justify why you feel a particular way without Taking to taking it to a place of Glenn James has investment properties. What an evil capitalist scum of the earth he is! Like it's just that's yeah. that's not the way. That but it and needs to be. but that's that's right. And this is the circular logic that I implode with, right? And so oh, literally this morning, because I've had like six or seven, I forget, ankle operations, right? Literally this morning, I've had to go back to my surgeon. They've sent me a new scan for an MRI and CT scan, right? Because I've got pain again. And so, I've got to go back to Sydney to see the surgeon. I've got to go and get the MRI and the CT scan. It's like 600 bucks, right? I will get some back from Medicare, maybe mm-hmm. 500 or three. I don't even know, right? Mm-hmm. It's so weird. Like when I go and have these CT scans and all this stuff and like, oh yeah, Medicare covers that. I'm like, oh, that's weird. I should just pay for it. I've got the money. 
but the circular logic is, well, I pay more tax you than pay taxes. Yeah. someone that earns less. So, this is where I go around in circles and implode. But I think what we need to get at is, can we agree as a society, sure, if you are earning, I'll just make a number up. If you're earning over, well, at the moment, it's over 180 grand. Or as a society, can we agree that if you do have three investment properties, you're ahead more than the person who doesn't have one home. Like, we need to just agree. I think that's what people forget as well, like from their personal perspective, because sometimes even Mm. if you do have three investment properties, you might be mortgaged to the hilt or you might have other stresses. And in that in that space, it is hard to sort of shift your perspective to say, oh, okay, um, I might be feeling the crunch in some ways, but I'm not I'm not um, in a cycle of poverty dependent on mm. welfare and I'm unable to get myself out of that place because of societal challenges and barriers. Like I'm not an older person who can't get a job because of ageism. Like I'm, I'm doing okay. Yeah, and I think I said this... Um- when this episode comes out, it would have been the Tuesday, just a couple of days ago, I think. If not, you know, if you listened to every episode, you would have heard it. Someone threw shade at me in the Facebook group because someone made a comment that if you're a landlord, actually, we'll have a break and we'll come back. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help, and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Okay, we're back. Sorry, just wanted to do that. <laughs> Before we jump into the very deep, deep landlord conversation. We need you on another time just to actually tell your story. <laughs> so, someone was throwing shade at me because they said, oh, if you're a landlord, you should charge less rent to somebody with your property, right? And so, given you're the hardcore socialist, right? Yeah. Do you think me with my investment property, I've got- So, two of the properties, there's two dinks that live in the property. So, double income, no kids. What's the- 
oh, okay, right, right, right. <laughs> What's slow are we saying? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So, if I've got tenants, yep. so Michael and Joe Lee are in one of my properties, and I've said that publicly, their household income would have to be over 150 grand. Like, I don't know their exact income, but they're professionals and all that. Yeah. The other property, two young professionals as well. Income, probably over 200 grand. Now, we see the world how we experience it, right? So, for someone to say, Glenn, you evil person, you need to reduce the rent in your properties by $20 a week to help solve the housing problem. Oh, Glenn, my, no. my argument here will always be it is not up to the individuals. It's up to government. It's policy. And policy. Yes. And Absolutely. And I do think that there is some, you know, grace in uh, an individual who's a landlord who can identify that they're in a stable situation. Let's say, let's, let's say COVID. Uh, they can identify themselves, hey, I'm feeling like quite stable, like my job's fine, I can work from home. And maybe like, and this is something I would encourage and love to see more of in society, like less... Um, outsourcing to property managers. And I know that has a role, but it would be great if landlords and their tenants had a more open dialogue. And I, I know people who have a more active dialogue with their tenants and through COVID knew that it was, knew that they were in a relatively stable situation and their tenant was a single mum who had just lost their job. So yeah. I think that's where individual grace can come into it. But no, it's always up to the government. That's right. And I think, you know, and it's just so funny because this call, like that happened last week, that conversation. And then just yesterday when I was recording the podcast with John or two days ago, I got an email from my property manager and they said, oh, Glenn, we've done a review of the area. We think you should increase rent 50 to $70 a week. And I'm like, not doing it. Well, uh, I'm yeah. not. Okay. And that's your individual grace. Yeah. That's right. But like, on what planet would I turn around to somebody who's been a good tenant for a long time and say, oh yeah, $70. Like that's ridiculous. $50. That's ridiculous. So yeah, just be careful when you, and this is me included when I'm in the group throwing shade. I'm saying this to Glenn in the mirror. Glenn, be careful when you go throwing around things like that that's based on your own situation because the world isn't how we experience it. The world is grey. The world is not black and white. And it's it's so hard to do and it extends to, as you say, it extends to everything. And I do try and make an effort in my life to, you, you know, the idea like everyone's got something going on. Uh they just do. Like everyone's got something that's niggling at them. Potentially they've got a family member that's sick. Maybe they are under a financial crunch. Something's happening. And mm. I try and keep that in mind as well when I'm going through like I think about work or I, like someone's having a go at me or a mm. difficult client relationship or just an interaction that hasn't felt nice. And I always try yeah. and remind myself, oh, maybe that person's just got something going on for them and they're sort of like projecting their stresses onto me. Um, and yeah, like the online world is not good for it. Like how bad are Facebook groups for just like, it's so much easier when you're looking at someone and you can tell their tone. And I know we rattle that off a lot. Like you can't tell satire, like you can't tell when someone's being sarcastic mm. on Facebook, but it does make a difference when you're with someone and you can pick up those minute cues on their face 
to indicate what they're actually, their intention is behind something. Yeah. And because I ended up like any of these, it's, and this is like, I love these discussions with, you know, quote unquote, the hardcore socialist versus the hardcore free market, whatever. I, I think, you know, I love these conversations, but unfortunately on Facebook, they go feral and they go feral fast and I've just got they to delete personal, them. They get personal and they get personal yeah. and then people leave the situations no matter what side you're on thinking like I can't mm. tell you how many times that I've been in an online interaction with someone that I've left without being able to because I'm not very good, I'm, I'm quite a sensitive person and mm. I will leave an interaction and become very self reflective and basically beat myself up and think that I'm a really bad person for an extended yeah. period of time. Oh, it's just, it's wild. And, you know, the yeah. And this is why these type of conversations, we always need to seek first to understand. And that person who threw shade at me for, you know, not reducing the $20 a week in that person's life, maybe the rent being reduced by $20 a week in that person's life is totally a game changer. Oh, absolutely. And absolutely. I remember the times when I was in uni- university and I, I remember thinking like if I could just literally have $5 now so I could go to Macca's and get like, you know, a $2 cheeseburger and a couple of like snacks, that would keep me going. Mm. And so that's when, when we go to my millennial story one day. <laughs> We'll find out why I'm a raging socialist. <laughs> okay. Well, do you want to maybe just, because you've got to go now, do you want to, I'll let Rachel know that yeah. you're going to rebook back in and we'll just do another Let's podcast. Let's do another 45 minutes. Yeah. yeah. At another time, because yeah. I do want to actually well, talk to you as a human and all that Glenn, stuff. Let's Not that I'm- take- Yeah, let's take this as the foundation. Like we've talked about people's politics, how they view the world, um, capitalism versus socialism. We've really got into some stuff. Philanthropy, Mm. we haven't touched Mm. on that quite as much as I would like. But I think our next episode should be how did we get to this place? Yeah, and I think that's that's really cool. So, yeah, let's book you back in. We'll do another – we'll actually do the My Millennial Store, everyone. Lural. but, you know, I, I just love talking about ideas and I love, you know, me saying to you like, oh, I don't think this would work. And then you say, well, this kind of does because I grew up this way mm-hmm. and this means the world to me where, you know, I grew up with mum and dad and they had good jobs and I saw in their lives through a period of time in Australia where there was lots of prosperity in our household, even yes. just for a working class family. So, And there are some people who come from families who were like, I would say that a concept that like sort of really grinds my gears because of the, the because of my childhood and what I my lived experience is is this concept of like um, what is the phrase it's like pull yourself up by your bootstraps or something like that it's all just yeah. about like individual motivation and moving yourself forward mm. and I yep. think I've probably moved through familial relationships friendships I've seen people through my life who just for a myriad of reasons just don't have that capacity to 
pull themselves up by their bootstraps and, you know, go get a salary and then be able to get on Glenn James's spending plan and do like their income versus expenditure and get their shit sorted. And it's mm-hmm. hard. Like now, now that I'm in a position of privilege, I, I can, I find myself being like, oh, like, why can't people just like read Barefoot Investor and think about the buckets and like become disciplined? And it just doesn't work that way. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's it. And like, I, I will say it now because it was, you know, John brought it up on the other podcast. Like, you know, if I see a need, I'll act on it. Like, I just bought a new car for a family who didn't have oh, one. Like, I love your. I love your impulsive spending and I think it's such an interesting, I mean, obviously not, uh, you're, you're, you're bringing up a case that is not like that's hard. No, but, but, but it's, it's, it's like, so if you look at it pragmatically, I've got lots of money. Why shouldn't I share that to pe- with people who are in need? Mm-hmm. Like that's as pragmatic as I can get. And I know that I'll never be worse off by being generous. Like, categorically. And that's why I'm probably one of the only personal finance commentators in Australia that will put generosity at the cornerstone of your financial life. Yeah. And I think that's incredibly important. And I Mm. really respect, I I found, I think you were talking to, I think you were talking to Aussie Firebug about parody and it was like, you guys were really butting heads. And I, I, to be honest, like I probably like, I probably sit more towards Aussie Firebug in the sense that like, um, you know, people with particularly like people with less resources, um, you know, it, it can be hard to allocate 10% of your income to charitable causes. So sometimes it does work out better to go to like a, um, actually do some practical on the ground help. And I find it fascinating that of, often the like people who are have less give more in terms of time, resources and money. Yeah. And, and that's totally fine. And I'm, and if I wasn't clear enough in that episode, and it probably doesn't sound like I was clear enough, I d- I'm not telling people to give if they're not in a position to. Yeah. You're on 90K a year, like X, Y, Z. That's who you're talking to. Yeah. Our, that's right. Like our audience on average is on 90K with 75% of you without consumer debt. Don't tell me you don't have dollars a month to give. Yeah. And then or whatever, and probably even get Nathan to re- beep out the example I just used because the example doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. I would say, and I said this in my book, sort your money out and get invested, not barefoot investor. Uh, <laughs> have you got a copy? <laughs> Uh, I, I I'll send you one. Yeah, please send me one. Yeah, because you need to reference that in all your yes, bloody podcasts now. I will. Um, but like d- I wrote this in the book. It's like if you did like half an hour at a soup kitchen two years ago, don't tell me in a conversation today that I just give my time. It's yeah, like shut up, you don't up. give. Yeah, 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 I get it. And people do present themselves that way because- That's right, because the generosity, it's- a heart set, it's a mindset. Like, just give a freaking smile, you s- freaking tight ass. Like, don't like, don't be cheap. That's what I'm saying with your time, with your heart, with, the, you know, like me personally, I can't be bothered donating a day of my time. And this is like the um, Peter Singer book, you yeah, know, The yeah, Life yeah, You Can Save. Yeah. 
because it's more valuable for me to keep working my business and give a truckload of money. Yes, okay, yeah. And I understand that and I think probably like, I think people probably stop on the point where you're like, it's not worth my time to go volunteer. (laughs) But now I understand the time is money. That's right. I can make more of an impact giving an organization dollars than taking a day out of my time. Mm-hmm. It's simple. And I'm lazy, like straight up, have my money. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the thing, like I'm going to get hate for like those comments, but because I can't please everyone, but I'll, yeah, anyway, you've got to go. It's right on um, 10 your time. I, I have to go make some money so I can. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> final sentence, final sentence. If you were prime minister tomorrow morning, what would be the first policy agenda that you would make, you you socialist? Yeah, hardcore. do you want to hear it? Oh, just okay. do it. Oh, you got a minute. I'm do, can I do it? I'm just going to blab at you so you can't say yeah, that I, I can't do more than one thing. Uh, firstly, I would raise the rate of job seeker. I think that we've yep. seen in through COVID that um, basically raising the rate of job seeker lifted people out of poverty and it has better implications for our whole society when a portion of our society isn't struggling. I would also walk into the NDIA and I would have some big conversations about what's happening with the NDIS, people having their plans cut uh, and to get on that administrative reform. It needs to happen. So those are my two big ticket items. Love it. Awesome. Alicia, Aitken Radburn, thanks for part one of the episode and thanks for listening and don't hate me too much, everyone. I'm evil and I know it. <laughs> well, so when we do whatever. the story, we'll, we'll unpack why I became the way I am and maybe we can touch just slightly on your different experiences and how they took you yeah. to be the way that you are. I, I, I would still say I've being a podcaster host now is put me in conversations with people I would have never had deep conversations before, whether they're immigrants or, you know, filthy rich people or um, everyday Australians. And I think the more people we talk to... Reality TV contestants. Reality TV contestants. The more people we talk to, well, this is me, it's just bringing me back into that centre. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also every conversation you'll learn something a little bit more and as I've been impacted by this conversation. I know and I'm going to I'm going to get cancelled after this conversation but thank you we'll uh, we'll talk soon. <laughs> Bye Glenn. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 